Hello and welcome back to another delightful, wonderful, fun episode of the podcast with no name in this Seattle snowmageddon, snowpocalypse weather. We're just wanting to keep you guys company. So, of course, with me is... Christopher Bean. Well, hello, Mr. Bean. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome to Seattle Snowpocalypse. Uh, thank you. Do I talk into this? Yes. Talk okay. To uh, thank you for inviting me to uh, this discussion of this evening. Yes. Well, what a wild and ruckus episode we had last time, huh? Sunday. Oh my gosh. So let me just let me just clear the air here real quick. Yes. Do clear the so, air since it's snowy. Before we started filming uh, and or recording on the live networks, uh, we had a plethora of technical difficulties, not to mention the crazy amount of snow. Uh, the power went out and the lights were flickering. So We caught that on the Facebook Live too, didn't we? Yep. Yeah. So everything was just... We were completely off of our game. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was. <laughs> it was probably our, probably the second episode that we'll just say, hey, "Don't we don't listen to this one." So, you know, like our first episode, and then this one. Right. So, just to let you know, when you listen to last week's episode, <laughs> keep that in mind that we had a struggle with just technical difficulties. So, we can't thank you leave for sticking you alone. around. We can't leave you out uh, in the cold. We can't leave you uh, out in the. Snow without a podcast episode. Yeah, as, exactly. As as goofy as it may have been, we're here with you. And you know what? I'm with you. We're always with you. Yes. All Check right. underneath your bed. Oh, gosh. Or in the closet. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because what we're going to talk about today. What uh, What do you think drives a story? Uh, let's let's leave. Uh, let's let's skip the effects. Let's skip everything. Okay. What drives a story? A good, rounded character arc. Good characters, right? Right. Whether they be good characters, bad characters, what have you, you just need good characters and good character development throughout. That the way, day. you can build a relationship. With the characters. What kind of relationship would you want to build with a character? So let's take, yeah, again, a franchise that we talk about all the time, which okay. is Marvel. Sure. The, their, the way that they wrote their characters, uh, for example, uh, let's say Steve Rogers. Okay. Um, you see his, his beginning, right? You see where he started. Yeah. Uh, his love, uh, his, his love for, for Peggy, his love for his country. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. He's back in this brand new world, and you start to feel sorry for him. Well, the reason why you felt sorry for him is because of the relationship that you originally developed with him at the very beginning because they wrote him as this just, you want to take him home to mom kind of guy, and it's like you root for him. You want you just want nothing but the best for this guy. And because you can identify with him also exactly. because he, he stands up for the little guy. You know, I don't like bullies. Yeah. You know, so that's... That's absolutely right. I think, you know, you just have to be able to identify with the characters. Now, that's a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Let's say, um, what would be one of the hardest genres to be able to identify with one of the characters? Horror, maybe, I think, would be 
a hard genre. Well, probably depending on the kind of horror, right? right? You know, so the slasher flicks, you can't identify yeah, that's with just any of the characters. It's just... Slashing. Just slashing. Now, if you take um, a good Hitchcock film... Right. That's different. That's more suspense than, They're like, more suspense than horror. Correct. Right? Um, so I, what I wanted to talk a bit about is that character development, but through the eyes of thrillers. Suspense... Thrillers. Oh, so good. I so thought, what kind of? So how do you get a successful thriller, I, or a good success, successful suspenseful movie? Oh, with Michael Jackson thriller. Okay, a good suspenseful. Yet again, it has to. It all starts with the story. I mean, you have to have a good. Well, you. It's easy to make the good characters. Right. To make a good thriller, you have to have a good villain. I think villains are easier to write than heroes. Really? Yeah. I would have to disagree. Just because it depends on the writer, but I think it's okay. like for me, it's easier because it's it's the opposite of who I am. And so to dive into something that's just like, you know, I can open any door that I want and be who True. I want and I could uh, I can write, uh, it's just easier. The way I think is uh, that it's easy to be the good guy because, you know, you want, you identify with all things good. Right. You want to be the good guy. You want to do the right thing. You so that comes more naturally than being able to develop a character that people identify with that is still bad. Gotcha. You know, um, let's take a look at Anthony Perkins in Psycho. Hmm? How can you identify with Norman? I mean, this is a guy that kills people. Oh, easy. You know, I mean, what? Yeah, gee whiz. Uh, me driving home later tonight. Uh, what about Hannibal Lecter? Yes, that's the thing. How can you? They had to make it such an an intricate character that you were willing to identify with the chief baddie number one. I think uh, to really get into the mind and understand Hannibal Lecter, you need to have some farva beans first, <laughs> and and a nice bottle of Chianti. And for liver and onions uh, fans, maybe. Who <laughs> was waiting for that? Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, but, uh, you know, so Hannibal. I think that's probably one of the most, you know, either Norman Bates and Hannibal Lecter are probably some of the most famous yep. thriller villains, at least on cinema. Right. And so how, that's to me is... You can get a decent villain, you know, like Jason, Freddy. You know, those are the ones that you kind of root for them anyway. Just I have to do it just once. Yes. Ready? <laughs> okay, you may yes. continue. But those are the ones that, because they're the slasher ones, right. it's, they're the easy villain. They're the ones that, oh, they're coming back from the dead, and they've got a vengeance, and they're going <laughs> to... Right. Know? But how do you get a guy like Hannibal Lecter to be actually liked by the audience or pitied? I, I, I hate to go back again, but okay. I have to go back to some comic book because this makes sense. Kingpin. All right. His original. His. If you guys have watched the show, um, you know Kingpin is just this. He's this monster. He. Everyone's afraid of him. He uh, can. Manipulate anyone. He does what he wants, but you just see him as this villain. But when you see the TV show, 
you see a different side of him of you know his love for his his wife uh he's just this simple man in this world in this this jumbled up criminal world but if you take away that that mob boss mentality he's just a normal guy and you feel bad for him because of his upbringing he was abused by his parents uh or his his dad and you feel bad for how he was raised because of how his parents raised him. Yeah, I, how, that's that to me is you have to have that kind of character development in order to be able to identify with the villain. Or you know, like uh, we'll take it one more into Marvel. Okay. Um, the Thanos. How yeah. We started how he we started to feel for him when he started to realize all the sacrifices he had to make in order to get his megalomaniacal goal. Agreed. Agreed. So, to me, uh, but those are, you know, the comic book villains, those are a little bit, you know, like Thanos or Kingpin, those are the good ones because those are the ones that require, because they're going to be the recurring characters. They require that level of depth. But those one-off, those like Hannibals, those... Yes, the one-offs like that, how do you get that? Or one of my all-time favorites... No Country for Old Men. Oh, that's a great movie. Uh, the uh, Anton. Filmed in the homeland of Albuquerque. So, because that, you know, you've, you, it's hard to identify with him. Correct. It's very hard to identify with him, but you are on the edge of your seat every moment he is on the screen. Agreed. You know, and that is what drives that story is because he had just this this villain that was almost an unstoppable force. You know, just the moment you did something wrong, he was there. And you felt that. In I, I felt that when I was watching it. It's like, oh no, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's going to be there. And it's like one of those uncomfortable moments. Yeah. You know, so I just, I love that. You know, and another one, I was looking at a list of uh, some of the good villains for thrillers. He was on there and I was like, Yes, because I totally agreed with it. And, of course, Hannibal Lecter from yep. from The Silence of the Lambs. That exactly. was the one that set the stage. Which, he was only on screen... Uh, he wasn't on screen that long. No. He wasn't the main uh, villain. Buffalo Bill was the main villain, which is very interesting. Correct, but everybody identified with Hannibal exactly. more than they did with Buffalo Bill. They all thought that Buffalo Bill was a creep, yep. but Hannibal was this misunderstood guy. But you... But, like... He's one of those characters where you want to see more because he's so fascinating. You're afraid of him, but you're also intrigued by him. Absolutely. And and it spawned enough to get two more books written. You know, there was yeah. Red, uh, Red or, Dragon. Or Red Dragon yep. and then... Where's uh, uh, Waldo? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's the hard villain to identify with. Now, so... What other villains can you think of that would be... Uh... Oh, gosh. At the top of my head? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to see if we can do it. We've no comic book villains. Yeah, no. Yeah. There, here's one. Okay. Darth Vader. Okay. That's he, a good one. Be, because he is a villain that we identify with and you know we're gonna we're gonna skip all of the bad movies just the new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi 
Okay, keep going. I thought of one, but even with those those movies, the the original movies, we can still identify with him because we can see, you know, the struggle that he faces. Right. When he when everybody has has that good versus evil within him, the battling between the light, the dark, right, and where and. Where my all-time favorite movie of that of that trilogy is *Empire Strikes Back* is because the evil is showcased and it wins. Yep. And but it it doesn't do so easily. It just it just shows just the struggle that everybody faces in it. I thought of one. Okay. Misery. Kathy Bates in Misery. Yes. That I I, I was trying to remember. Uh, her I, I saw Oscar that, winning. Yeah, I saw that movie a, a long time ago, but she just she's so sweet and then it just like this this roller coaster of change and then the whole famous breaking the your hobbling, ankle scene. The hobbling scene. Oh. oh but but have you have you ever read the book? No. Oh my gosh. The movie is phenomenal, but that book I did the we did the play though. Okay. So, but can you imagine, you know, having to do that play? Yeah. You have to get yourself into a mind of how am I going to make this villain believable to the point of where you pity them to the point of where you almost want to be, it's, it's everything's going to be okay. And then, oh my gosh, that person is just crazy. I actually have a little, little something. Yes. So do you know the play of Mice and Men? Yes. In college, I played Curly, the villain, okay. and uh, Curly was this rough kind of like, this is my wife, I do what I want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that exact mindset of, okay, this guy is horrible. I mean, he keeps his hands in gloves, and inside his gloves, he keeps a Vaseline all in his gloves to keep his hand pure. That's what mm-hmm. he does. And so it was the same thing of like, okay, how can I make this guy who's really horrible towards his wife and everyone else, how can I make him, uh, you know, the audience empathetic towards him? And so what I thought about it was not the lines, but how my face would react to certain things. So instead of having like a typical, I'm a villain, here's my brow. It's kind of a simple thing of just raising my eyebrows when talking and being like, oh yeah, and saying things horrible. But when you have that like visual aspect to it, it's a completely right. different take on a villain. That's you know that's that's the thing, and that's why I think to make the good villains, you have to put so much more effort into it. Yeah, no, I agree. Because they do require that level of uh, uh, that level of character, so that you can. Because it's easy to oh he's the bad guy we don't want him we want to see the good guys right, but to make a good movie that really strikes at or good you know good play you know uh anything probably by you know arthur miller right you know uh death of a salesman that was good yep we did that too that was great but just those just the bad characters so that you can identify with them you can feel bad for them and it showcases the whole the whole journey of the human condition what about uh did you ever see american psycho christian bale I thought that was a lousy movie. Really? Yes. Oh, I loved that movie now, so much. I've read much. the book. I read the book. Mm-hmm. The book was so much better because it actually allowed. I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate uh, Christian Bale's performance. He did an amazing job, but I think that that would have now probably have been much better as a Netflix miniseries. I guess so, so that you can see more of it because the movie 
doesn't really showcase the, uh, you know, of why I should be okay with this villain. The book really does. I mean, you you see it a lot more from his perspective. Gotcha. As opposed to having kind of like the narrator's view of it. And that's why, to me, it was a little bit harder. I It just didn't resonate with me as well as the book did. Sorry, I'm, when you asked me about yes. a villains, I was like, I can't think of the top of my head, so I did a list. Now that, I cannot <laughs> believe you not being able I to know. think of any villains. Well, non-comic book villains. And I'm looking down the list, and I was like, <laughs> Megatron? But um, Gladiator. Oh, the... Uh, River Phoenix's character. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix's Sorry. character. The Emperor. Commodus. Commodus. Commodus, yes. Yes. It's just... Yeah, he was he was despicable, but it was it was it was easy to kind of to despise him. him, right? Where you know, like Darth Vader, you know, you wanted to hate him, but you couldn't. No, that's my Darth Vader yes. screaming. Uh, oh, that to me. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of any other good uh, villains that would. Uh, oh. Um. One uh, from one of my all-time favorite books, the uh, the Terminal Man, by Michael Crichton. No, I don't know what that is. Uh, okay, so the epitome of villain. Uh, it's a fellow who is in trouble, is incarcerated for murder, and what they determine is that this this guy Harry Benson has seizures, and in these seizures. He, that's when he kills these people. So the whole book is kind of talking about is 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 it his human nature to be evil or is it the seizures that cause lapse of judgment and he just responds instinctively and brutally murders someone. I would watch that movie. And it's a it's a fairly decent movie. George Seagal is in it. It was made in the seventies, oh. so you may not want to watch it. Yeah. Um, I only watch movies that are in color. It was in color, but you don't watch movies that were made before 1983. Uh, yeah, sure. I know that. Unless they're like Gone with the Wind or Wizard of Oz. or True. Those, yeah. The big blockbusters. But they did make a good movie of it, but the book was great. Uh, and so what happens is they get an experiment and they put a chip in his brain that allows dopamine to be triggered any time that he reaches a seizure state. So then what happens is brain rebalances, no seizure, no problem. Until he uses it as a drug. Uh, and starts killing people. This is where the thunder and, happens in the episode here. And so then that's the whole debate is he was he inherently evil? Yes. And but that's but you're you're going with him and it first starts out as where you think that he's a good guy, and then as the story progresses, he gets deeper and deeper into the and, and troubling and more troubling and more troubling, and finally goes on a rampage. Dang, and it's just chilling. So the Terminal Man by Michael Crichton, Harry Benson is a not the film. Terminal with Tom Hanks. No, the Terminal Man, because <laughs> you know uh, that would be weird if Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks just went off and started killing people. Oh, there's one. Um, Mr. Brooks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, not a good villain. Uh, no. 
I remember that movie. Uh, Dan Cook was in it. Briefly, until he was killed. Yeah. Finally. Uh, but William Hurt uh, did a good job portraying this the psyche of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, I it's been a long time a since I've seen movie. that. It wasn't a very good villain because, okay, he's just got split personality disorder and he's arguing with himself. Right. But, oh, let's see, there was another one. Uh, from this list was uh, Mr. Mercedes, another Stephen King. You know, I think that he was very good at writing the believable villains. Stephen King? Yes. He's, he's an okay writer. He's done a couple of things. A couple of things. A couple of minor blockbusters, like Pet Cemetery you know, and The Shining. We're, you know, we're going with these yeah. deep movies. I'm going to go right. with something completely different. A okay. comedy. A villain in a comedy. Yeah. Mama Ferrelli, Goonies. The reason why it shows that, by the way, Goonies is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Why um, is she a good villain? I loved the reason why I loved her. You remember her two sons, not not Sloth, but the other two. Right. Uh, she was so frustrated with them uh, that like there's scenes where she slaps them or she like tries to help them, and they keep doing just clumsy things mm-hmm. I felt her frustration <laughs> and she hates kids right. to quote the movie kids suck alright so I'll go one along those lines it's it's not a comedy okay it is a movie okay uh, so we're gonna depart uh, from my usual li- reference to literature okay this is one of Steven Spielberg's first movies okay Duel Ah, uh, okay. So. The car one, right? It's it's 90 minutes long. It's basically, the whole movie is almost a car chase long. But you never see the truck driver's face. You only see what the truck itself does. And in that, it wasn't that the truck was a very good... Uh, the Richard Matheson short story, great. Uh, he was... Uh, oh, I'll... I don't know what's going on. Another one. Oh, good. Um, So the way that Steven Spielberg filmed the movie made that truck come alive as a villain. It wasn't like Maximum Overdrive. Right. uh, Where... I remember uh, that movie. Which was pretty bad. But... Or or Virus, you know. uh, Oh, yeah. That was a a big flop. Um, But this one, just the cinematography alone made that truck... Come to life. Come to life. And you were, oh my gosh. It was just so, so scary. Duel. Okay, what was the other one that you got so excited um, about? Another Richard Matheson uh, story. Yeah. I Am Legend. Oh, gotcha. And I know what you're going to say. Not the Will Smith one. That one was garbage. The book's better. Continue. The, <laughs> now, if they had left... Uh, the Will Smith one wasn't bad. It was just a different take on what Matheson was trying to oh, uh, gotcha. to talk about, and if you watch the full extended long version of Will Smith's, you actually get more of that narrative. Oh, gotcha. The the, the theat- theatrical edit made it more kind of like a zombie flick, right. as opposed to uh, uh, deepest darkest portions of the human condition. Uh, even the Charlton Heston one didn't really dive into it too much. <sighs> It's my Charlton Heston. No, well, I work on it. He's rolling over in his grave. 
It, this is one where the main character becomes the villain to the the new... Uh, so uh, what happens is uh, a viral outbreak causes a big plague. Mm-hmm. There are some levels of survivorship, but most of the people that survived have evolved into plague-carrying type, you know, regressed humans. He is the only one that's immune. Yep, his blood. Right. So, he, uh, basically, he's fighting for survival. But what makes his character so interesting is that there's nothing left for him to live for because he's the only one that has any tie to what used to be normal. So, what he start and so he's the hero of this book, but he does bad things. You know, he just kills them just for the sake of killing them. You know, he High just school all over well, again. And so he's just you know living out these animalistic urges just because there's nothing left for him to live for. So he's lost any right. sense of his humanity, and the the plague the plague people are actually starting to rebuild society as survivors. You know, they have their own weird hierarchy, uh, so. It's nothing that you or I would accept, but it works for them. Right. And the whole thing is him starting to come to the realization that he's the bad guy. To be continued. And and that's what he that's why the I Am Legend right. title is because now with the new society is he has basically become the boogeyman of legend was eat your vegetables or Robert Neville will get you. <laughs> so, you know, we have the boogeyman. Right. But the Plague Society has Robert Neville. So that's the thing is... You know, that movie, though, had one scene that I still... Whenever I say it, I have a tears in my eye. Which one? The Charlton Heston version or the Will Smith the version? The Will Smith version. Okay. The dog. When he has to kill his dog. That was sad. Because I, I, I love my dog. And he, the, the way they shot it is you mm-hmm. see him strangling... But the camera pans up and just stays at Will Smith's face. And all you see is the struggling dog body. And Will Smith just starts to tear and starts crying. And then the struggling stops. Yeah. And I'm like, puppy. I remember after that, I went home to my dog. And I was like, I love you. I'm never going to. Yeah. I'll break your no, neck. I know that. That that did that, that scene did that to me too. But when I watched the extended version, you could act. When he had the female right. uh, plague zombie mm-hmm. character, when the male it actually showed where he realized that he was the bad guy mm. and was keeping them from moving on in their life. Right. But you don't see that in the theatrical version. And it totally changes the narrative from where it could have been, wow, he really understood things to, oh, he's just a guy that's living alone. And I bet you that's 100% studio's fault. Probably. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, that's why, you know, that's another reason why I always like to, you know, try and read the literature, uh, read, read, the, read the book version so I can get what the author was trying to say. Right. And then watch the movie. Like, Jurassic Park, you know, segue into this is the book and the movie are vastly different. Mm-hmm. There's enough similarities to be called Jurassic Park, but they are both in their own right excellent. Some, some just don't handle that very right. well. But anyway, I thought, uh, what a fun topic to talk about is actual good villains. So when you drive home tonight, or if you're currently driving, please do good things. Yes. Otherwise, no one will know. And he's not a good person. Oh. 
No, I meant he's. <laughs> I meant he's a good human being, but sometimes he could turn villainous. Like one time, he hit me in the eye just because I said, "Oh, I haven't bought a book in a long time." Whack! And he goes, "You remember me forever." Now read something. So that's not at all true. <laughs> See, now Chris is being villainous there by making me look like the bad. Guy. My mom's listening, so yeah. you better watch it. She'll hit you with her purse. Hmm. All the way from Albuquerque. No. No, but yeah, if you guys think of any villains, there is one. Want us to, yes, one last villain before yes. we close this episode, folks. Oh, I, wait, I have, there's more. I have to mention it because of the performance, Heath as the Joker. Okay, just because I know it's comic book, but forget it's a comic book for a second. Just strictly a performance of I am terrified of this anarchist, but I want him on screen all the time. I want to see what he does when he's not doing these heinous crimes. I want to see how he lives. I am just, there's so many questions because yes. of how he played the character and how well he just demonstrated he's crazy. But is he really crazy? I don't think the Joker, or that version of the Joker is very crazy. I think he, yeah. he knows what he's doing. He just shows you what he wants you to see. Yep. I think he was a good villain. Man. But all right, guys, it's uh, it's time to hit the hay. That means go to bed. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to our show. Yes. And uh, <laughs> two Let things. us know if you have any villains I, that you want us to talk about and that you like. also, last week's episode, tell us what you thought about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we desperately would like to know because it was insane. Yes. It was insane. But thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great night. And you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, and Instagram. And sometimes Snapchat. And remember, if you're not the villain, then you're doing something wrong. Robert Neville will get you.